one of the most interesting parts that I've found is the power of the bud tender in this industry. I made this example a couple of months ago to my team where I was like, imagine if you went to Foot Locker and you went to a girl who was standing in front of the footwear wall and you asked her, hey, what shoe should I buy today? Like no one goes to Foot Locker and does that. Like that's not how it works. There isn't like a source of truth on the other end. Now there are absolutely the regular customers, right? Who come through, they know what they want. I'm looking for this. Or, hey, did you get that nightshade? Do you still have it? Like there is that side of it. But the educational element of how people talk about what they are bringing to market is very sporadic. Everyone kind of does it a little bit differently. There are some safe moves, right? Like I can just give you this information and that should hold you off. And my brand name will maybe get you to the point of sale, whatever it is. So I think treating each strain like its own entity really helps you think about Well, geographically, where does this matter more? You're listening to To Be Blunt, the podcast for cannabis marketers, where your host, Shada Taravi, and her guests are trailblazing the path to marketing, educating, and professionalizing cannabis. Light one up and listen up. Here's your host, Shada Tarabi. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the To Be Blunt podcast. I am coming to you from my home in Austin, Texas. For those of you who might be listening to this podcast for the first time, welcome. I am a cannabis marketer, brand builder, and business owner in the space who operates a cannabis brand here in the Good old state of Texas. I know we have some slow cannabis laws, but I am destined to help see my state change and happy to be a part of those who are helping trailblaze this industry, both here in Texas and elsewhere further and forward. So I kind of want to kick right into the episode. I'm really really stoked because today's guest has a really cool background that when you kind of think about how certain cannabis brands are approaching their go-to-market or their marketing plans, it kind of reflects some other leading brands in other industries. And obviously, as cannabis continues to go mainstream, you can definitely take cues, whether it's coming from you know pharmaceuticals or whether it's coming from the fitness athletics world or CPG. Obviously, this consumer packaged goods world is a massive industry that I think cannabis is certainly trending towards. But my guest today, he has a background working at Nike, Nike of all brands. And I think that I'm kind of like emphasizing it because to me, as a marketer, as a brand marketer, Nike is just notorious for building one hell of a brand. And so when you kind of dig into the psychosis behind why Nike is a great brand, kind of what their messaging is, how they've captured that sentiment with their audience, and also kind of overlay that with sneaker culture. If you're familiar with sneaker culture, it's kind of this idea of sneakers going for an absorbent amount of money because they have this kind of cachet to them. They, you know, are a certain brands limited edition. It's a certain athlete signature collection. It's a special run of a color or a stitching. And so kind of creating this hype around a product. And so when you kind of pair the two together, you kind of reflect on sneaker culture and you reflect on the brand that Nike has built themselves 
you kind of have the cross of who my next guest is, Craig Lyon. Craig Lyon is the head of marketing for Connected. Connected is a cannabis company, a cannabis brand based in California. They operate a handful of dispensaries, but their notoriety really lies in their strains and specifically those strains go to market. They do some really fun shit. I'm going to say shit because I feel like it. And it also emphasizes how freaking like, it's just like, it's a cool brand. When you kind of start digging into what they do and how they do it, you can really learn a lot, obviously, from kind of understanding that psychosis of what makes someone want to buy something kind of what is the hype? What is the quality? And how do you kind of navigate making the best product that exists in between. So again, to kind of caveat, I'm not saying this by any means. Connected is not a hype brand, but they create a lot of hype. And I want to get into that episode for you guys because Craig shares a lot of really good insight that he learned in his career in Nike, building that brand, what he took away from that and helping apply it to Connected. Now he's newer to Connected, so another kind of caveat It's not to say again that Connected exclusively has this influence, but it's kind of to help connect the dots of where Craig kind of exists in his role and kind of his influence of where he comes from and what he's bringing to this brand as it continues to dominate the cannabis market, especially in California. So I've talked a lot. I've hyped them up. I want to just let Craig come on the show and get right to it. So let's welcome Craig and dive right in. Well, my name is Craig Lyon. I'm the vice president and head of marketing at Connected Cannabis. And I think what's been most interesting on that journey is I come from, you know, I spent 10 years prior to that working at Nike. And I was kind of, in many ways, a product of kind of the Nike culture that the world talks about, right? I was an intern I spent a little time before that playing around in the music industry as a video promotions you know, a specialist and, and just kind of cutting my teeth there for a little while in New York. But I came to Nike and kind of was entering the space, really thinking about advertising, working in brand communications, spent a lot of time early in my career in digital and landed in basketball where I spent a huge majority of my time and kind of got into true brand marketing and brand building with signature athlete franchises. So as I exited Nike, Let's see, I'm like four or five months ago, something like that. As I exited, it was interesting because I started my search not thinking about specific brand names or specific companies even at that point. I was really focused on areas that excited me. And it was about luxury goods and like high-end hospitality. I love the energy of sneaker culture that we had spent so much time building where we were building these like high commodity goods. And the beauty of Nike basketball at that time was that we were building, you know, everything from a hundred dollar end shoe that could get a kid in the door that you could find at, at Kohl's or famous footwear, or whatever it was all the way up to a $350 power lacing, you know, adapt piece of footwear that we were building. And that spectrum fascinated me, but I love the energy that we put in to those highly sought after product collaborations and partnerships. So What was funny is that I had somebody, a a friend who had also just recently left Nike, who had reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, there's a a company that I think is really interesting. I think it's worth, you know, you like just from us talking, you should talk to these guys. And that was really as far as it got. I was the first company I had talked to about the world of cannabis. You know, I've been familiar with the product. I had heard of the brand through really friends in California. 
And it was so different than any other opportunity I'd thought about in cannabis because the brand had built this unbelievable, almost cult-like following, like this real passionate backing of like, this is some of the best stuff, if not the best stuff on earth. And that blew me away. It was a side of cannabis I had not really thought about existing. And as I started to think about all the things that were important to me and what I wanted to do next, I realized that the company hit all of those aspects just in a space that I had not gone out looking for. And getting to meet Caleb Counts and the group that kind of started all of this, you know, 10, 11 years ago as building a dispensary because they couldn't find a place that they could count on and then trying to raise the bar of what that best product on the shelf looked like in that dispensary because they couldn't find it consistently. And hearing kind of that upbringing and a company that was built on so little revenue going to marketing was just fascinating to me. And the idea that we were at this big inflection point of what is about to happen, what we are doing now is building out this family of brands, this standard of excellence and quality. And as I look back now, a few months in and, you know, and, and understanding what it is, I find myself really lucky to be around a group of people that have welcomed me into that industry as an outsider, because we share the sentiment around quality standards and how we not only hold our products to those standards, but the people and the expectations of how we operate. And kind of coming out the other end of that, I find myself almost like laughing at like, this was the place I've kind of been getting ready to be for the last 10 years, this kind of energy in the moment of kind of what makes Connected a little different than everyone else. And that's been kind of the road to here, maybe in like the most roundabout way to, to get there. No, that's such a dope introduction, obviously, kind of before we were recording, just to give audience some context. I really appreciate when I get to talk to guests like yourself who come from non-traditional cannabis-specific backgrounds, right? Obviously, Nike is a very iconic brand, both being a business, being a multinational business. It's just so iconic. People recognize just by the logo, the brand mark. They don't even have to know much about the company to know the tenure of it. But taking that kind of submersion that you've spent the last decade of your life in and being able to kind of emerge and apply it to a company in the cannabis sector, I think is really exciting. And especially doing the due diligence to dig into Connected because in Texas, we don't have the luxury of one going to a dispensary. Kind of the sub of that is I don't have the luxury of picking a particular strain. I am kind of at the mercy of whoever the dealer is or the situation is And so I think as cannabis has kind of gone into that mainstream, you are starting to see more brands emerge to create some differentiation in the market. I think there's two parts to that, right? On one end, branding sometimes is just taking a commodity and making you like the commodity because of the experience that the brand is presenting or what the brand stands for, the way that the brand looks or feels. But part of that is also making a superior product. And so I think cannabis is an interesting intersection Because at the end of the day, there's certainly people out there who just want to get high. They're just looking for a good deal. They're looking maybe for that experience of consuming cannabis. But then you get into this next level, which I think is where I believe Connected is kind of existing in, which is more of this luxury, experiential, like it is cool to be consuming Connected cannabis. And y'all have really kind of set the bar in terms of not only California cannabis, but I believe cannabis kind of in general. And so just pulling some things that I've observed from the brand that y'all have published on your own accounts, designer weed. Mm -hmm. I think that's a term that is not new necessarily, but it certainly isn't as accessible kind of at a national level. 
because I don't personally see that type of connotation surrounding brands, let's say in Colorado or even some of the emerging markets like Illinois or Maine or things like that. And so is that something that you're observing is exclusive to California? Is that something that you're observing connected kind of helped establish? I mean, kind of help walk us through a little bit of where the brand really started and how the brand has kind of continued to present itself in the market to kind of continue to win. I mean, you you mentioned it too, like they wanted to make the best weed they could find because they couldn't find it. And so what does it look like to build a brand around making the best weed? Yeah. I start all of it with, you know, there's a big difference I've always felt between branding and marketing, right? Like branding is built on a value set, right? The mission of this company every day for Connected is to come in and breed, grow and sell the best product on earth. And that's not a quantity game. That's not an expansion game. That's not the business model. That is our goal every day to come in and work towards pushing that level further, right? Pushing the ceiling higher. And I think because of that, you parallel that to marketing as like your messaging, your product storytelling, how you share the things that you are bringing to life, the outcome of that branding and, and who you are. Um, and I think in many ways, it, it was just a choice that was made at Connected, right? We weren't going to get to as many states as fast as we could and slap our name on a jar, no matter what was in it. This company is about what's in the jar. And we do spend time talking about artwork and all the things that go on the jar, right? But what we are about, I think is just a little different is that that has been the standard. And in some ways, I think that that probably comes as a byproduct of the competitive landscape of California, because there was and continues to be a real fight for the best product out there. And I think because Caleb and some of the early members of the connected kind of the origin story, and so many of them, especially on the cultivation side, are still working with the team, right? Our, our jams and a lot of the grows are the same people that were there when we started. And I think that collective nature of the mission here is about the product is very different in than the way that others from California have looked to expand or how brands on the East Coast could even think about it, right? You're not actually coming from this ingrained decades long culture of how the industry grew and where you're coming from. And, and I think so much of that is actually just believing in that, right? There's a reason that we've kind of been positioned in that place not because we went around telling everybody this is who we are. It was because it was who people made us. And I love that nuance of any brand like that has to be able to sit itself, not in its business model, but in what makes you you, what makes you different. And I think for us, it has been unequivocal chase and almost quality control level of like, this is what it takes to go in that connected jar, right? This is what the standard is going to be. And I think that's been a, just a different approach. And I think because every market is different, one of my favorite learnings in my first few months with Connected is that Northern California and Southern California are two different things. If you're in the industry, you know that. And I think I was very excited to learn a whole different scope, right? In my time at Nike, I remember working across continents and everything felt so sporadic and small because you had to be 30,000 feet up because you couldn't be on the ground in, in all of those places at once. I've enjoyed so much being able to get really granular and talk to our team about the differences in the way that certain products move different ways in different markets. As I think about what designer weed or what the pinnacle of the industry means, I think it also puts us in a position to think about what cities make the most sense in what states that make the most sense for our product, for what we offer. There are people that show up that are not looking for the bag or the jar that we're selling because they're just, to your point, just trying to get high. Like They're not looking for the best thing they've ever found. 
But there are people who will literally go and, and in a tourism sense, go looking for what it is. I want those people to wander their way into a connected door in California and find that or any other door that's working with us in that sense. So it's a very different strategy when you think about we are looking to be the top shelf in every door, not be every door. We have three unbelievable retail doors in California. The people in those doors blow my mind. They are some of the most talented and dedicated bud tenders and store managers and just people who have been with this brand for a minute that want to grow with the brand, that are going to grow with the brand. And I think that's just a very different culture than somewhere where we are just trying to churn the wheel, right? Where is the number? And I think that's made us particular about who we want to partner with and the way that we interact and, and even make some tough decisions on things that we do and don't want to do because nothing can get in the way of making the best product on earth. I appreciate that distinction. I think it is something just to kind of take a step back and understand who is your consumer and what are you trying to sell to them and realize that, yes, again, there's like multiple ways to be successful and trying to understand really, truly, like, what is that brand proposition? What is the value of that brand that you're trying to deliver? But taking a step back, understanding that a lot of connected, I mean, I realize that you're vertically integrated, not to get into that necessarily, because I've had plenty of episodes where we talk all about vertical integration. But I think for me, while you are vertically integrated and you have the storefront or the doors, to use your word, that you're selling through, it seems the brand is really focused around the strain, the genetics, these unique flowers that you've been able to cultivate. I was going through your social media. It looks like you're doing both indoor and outdoor grows. It looks like the scale has gone up a lot considering I know that y'all do specific small runs as well, like limited editions. And I want to pick your brain on that because I saw one recent one, I guess you're doing is nightshade and you, it looks like you've partnered with a, like a local designer in California. You're not local maybe necessarily, but like a very well-known, but like up and coming designer to do some kind of custom type of drops. And so obviously talking to you too, my brain just starts kind of jumping around. It's very interesting, but also not surprising that they hired you in this position because I think a lot of the parallels between how the sneaker market is, this kind of designer sneaker market, like you were highlighting, you know, yes, there, you can go get Nike at, you know, whatever general store, but there's obviously also going to be these luxury products that people are going to covet and they're going to want. Bringing in the designer weed conversation, knowing that like, yes, there's going to be the generic strains that everybody has access to, but really kind of creating some sort of drive for people to find the best, but also then what is creating the best look like. And so kind of help walk us through what are some of those top strains for you? What is some of the history behind it? I guess also with the thread and the filter of like, I know what different genetics means. I know what different strains, you know, based on the terpenes and cultivars and indoor versus outdoor, like I understand that, but why do you think that these strains have become so popular? Like, why are they the best? Is it because of a certain collaboration? Is it because of the limited nature? Is it just because of the brand that the company has built over the years they've been in business? Kind of walk us through that a little bit. I think the biggest thing that I've felt coming into this is that the way that this company was built almost feels like there was an overinvestment in R&D in the early days. Like they overdid it because they wanted to live in that space so badly. And it turned out to be maybe the most defining definition in what makes us different. Our breeding program is something unlike anything I've ever heard of, right? In terms of not just the volume, but the level of experimentation. What are we looking for? 
what experiences are we trying to create? Or what experiences are we trying to create a product for? The baseline and the set of questions that go into what are we chasing in terms of terpene profiles and cannabinoid kind of like all of these elements come together. And I think what's most exciting for me as we think about some of these new strains is that the team is finding its stride now in creating new space, right? That is one of the most interesting things that we've heard from people who are some of the first in this last couple of weeks to get their hands on Nightshade. It is something different. You distinctly know the moment you are there that this is not the same thing. You recognize pieces of it, right? You feel like you have some of that if you've been with the brand for a while, but it is very distinctly in its own space and profile. That's hard to find, I think. And I think people discredit in many cases how hard it is to scale, right? Growing this product and doing that in a bunch of different environments, right? Whether it be mixed light or indoor out, like there's so much variation in what we do and so much tinkering, like it is such incredible process when you think about all the variables at play, that is something that we are trying to understand. What does better in this environment versus this? How does this change here or there? How do we take this learning and apply it here? And if it doesn't work there, where should we go with it? The willingness to experiment comes at cost always, right? You could just churn out the same things if you really feel good about it and be okay. That would not be in service of the mission of chasing what we believe is better and more exciting product out there. And some of that I think is going to get uncomfortable for people, to be honest, because we are working through blind testers, which is a brand new program that we're really excited about in many ways, because we want to see where this goes. The world has kind of come down to like, well, how do I know what this is? Well, here's the cross. But in reality, just like you and your parents, right? It's not A times B equals AB. It just doesn't work that way. There's so much more to it. And I think we want to try to help people understand that. We don't just want to be exploring into these new spaces and new profiles and new experiences and effects. We also want to talk about why we're going there and change maybe the way that people interact. I think you've actually done an episode on terpenes too, right? Like of the world just doesn't quite know that level. I've found more and more people have told me the sativa indica thing is kind of the easy way out that everyone has just elected to take. And I think we feel a responsibility because we are playing further and further into that classification, not really giving you enough info to really understand what is in that jar, what is in that pre-roll, what is in whatever that bag may be. So as far as things that I'm excited about, I will tell you that a huge draw for me in the world of Connected and the family is Alien Labs. I think what Ted has created and what this team is doing in terms of standard and selection, it is exactly what connected is about. It is the pinnacle in that space. And Xeno was a strain that has entered my life in an amazing way and that I've really enjoyed. Nightshade, like I mentioned, is something pretty spectacular all its own. It's just different. I think people are really starting to find new palette and new experience in that as well. And then, like I said, I think the most exciting things that we're getting into is how those genetics are playing out beyond premium indoor right? Beyond those classifications that are what you could call our bread and butter, right? When we talk about designer weed, there's not a lot of people thinking about live resin. When you say that we're working through, you know, best in class hardware, right? We've just launched all new, all in one disposable hardware, all new five, 10 threads. And like, these things have like a different feel to them. And I think we've talked a lot around like, Hey, like we spend the time and the energy making the oil in there out of everything that's just ours, right? We're not running out and buying the stuff on the internet, not calling anybody out, but I'm pretty sure that's how it works in certain spots, right? We are growing this. We are building this from the ground up. 
And now we have the actual hardware that levels up to the material that we're putting in there. So that standard is about what we're about. And I think that's maybe when people have said designer weed and that term predates my time at Connected, right? You're talking about the things that you come to expect with luxury items. When you buy an Hermes bag, there's more to it than the bag. I always joke around like, when a bag comes in a bag, you know that there's something more to it. And I think those are the elements that have been so interesting because we have the ability to play in a space like that, to present something that we're as excited about as Nightshade in a way that's different than the way we present others so that we can show that differentiation and cater that product to people who are really interested in trying it in that sense. And also be protective of the things that we only want to be available in, in certain spheres and certain spaces. And I think that's what is changing in the strain game is that every strain has its own uh, its own journey, its own life cycle, its own way that it becomes available or shows up and goes away. And I think that's the part coming from Nike and that franchise mix, right? In basketball, it was how do we get the Kyrie franchise and the Kevin Durant franchise and the LeBron franchise and these seven other things that are all working independently to all not cannibalize each other but actually lift each other up and find a rhythm and give people something to be excited about next and creating launch culture. And I think those are the things that we're really excited about seeing happen in this industry. I said to a team the other day, before the sneakers app, people went to stores and waited in line to buy shoes. That dramatically changed. The entire way that the scope of that happened is just no longer how it used to be. There are a number of arenas that cannabis plays in that will see those kinds of dramatic changes happening. And I think for us, we want to be a leader in that space. And that requires you to try some things, to, to have a spirit of R&D, to kind of be chasing that dream of building new and exciting and better products, not how those things generally are built into the business model, but actually starting with that vision up front. I love that you highlighted Alien Labs. I noticed that they were a collaboration with y'all. But from my understanding, and you kind of highlighted it, so I want you to dive a little bit deeper on it. They're a brand themselves Absolutely. who does very similar, right? It's not like they're in a different part of the industry or sell a different type of product. They sell pretty similar products. And so how do you make a collaboration like that work to your advantage to kind of use the Nike or the basketball example yeah. too? Like you have all these successful people. Most people would assume I don't want to collaborate with them because that is going to cannibalize or that is mm -hmm. going to... I don't know, degrade the brand to some extent, but you're obviously seeing it as an opportunity and almost as an accelerant. Yeah, I in many ways think that the addition of Alien Labs to the connected international family, right? That was a major moment in that now connected has the ability to become this family of brands, right? To find new extensions. It's not a offhand partnership, right? We build and we build our line plan. We build and grow and cultivate and talk through process and create new challenges. All of that happens collectively. Now, the selection process, right, and the way that those things happen and the things that the brands are looking for, those have remained the identity of the brands, right? And that's been a really interesting nuance in this, right? That it is without question its own independent brand and space and following and energy, but the moral compass behind both brands is about growing and breeding and selling the best product out there. And that common ground, I think, is the foundation that Ted and Caleb and the team that brought that whole merger and, and whatnot together, that's what made that so powerful, is that we weren't signing up to like talk about things together. We were signing up because you can bring all of those people into one room, and now we build together. We are one collective team driving two distinct and pinnacle brands in this space. 
And I think for a long time, our, you know, even our account partners saw us as kind of this like mashed up like thing together. And we're really trying hard to make sure that people understand like each of these brands has its own identity and space and following and attitude and tone. And if you, anybody who follows, follows Ted knows that Ted has his own tone. And that's what's so special about this. That's what can make Connected different is that we can bring new voices in and use that shared method, the shared vision and hope of what we are trying to accomplish. That never changes. It just gives us more aperture and more people to bring into the mix and to learn from each other and to grow together, but to grow independently and find ways to help. The same way we talk about franchise mix between strains, the same thing holds true between those pinnacle brands, those brands that kind of make up the marquee of what Connected International has in store. Hello, just want to take a quick moment to thank my sponsor and full disclosure, my company, Restart CBD. Restart CBD is a brand that I built with my sister, so we are family-owned and women-owned. We do operate a brick and mortar in Austin, so if you ever find yourself in Central Texas, we'd love for you to come say hi. But we also ship nationwide, and we carry a wide range of CBD products. We really care about this plant. We really care about educating our customers. This show would not be possible without their support. So please go check us out at restartcbd.com and use code to be blunt for $5 off your next purchase. Thanks. And let's go back to the show. I guess that's an interesting point that I'm not even probably as versed in as you are and certainly not as versed as like the California cannabis industry is just because Again, I think genetics and strains and different cultivations and even different brands that are built from these different cultivations, like using gelato as an example, it's very popular. Everybody knows what gelato is, but obviously y'all have strains that are derived from crossbreeds of gelato, or I probably am butchering this also, but there's deviations of these different strains and genetics, right? That you're then able to go through your R&D process and then make your own unique kind of strain on the market. And so I guess from an abstract perspective, I'm understanding there's these other players in the industry that are uniquely good at what they're doing, but by kind of coming together, you're just able to kind of cross share and learn and kind of trade different, you know, whether it's growing tips or the actual genetics themselves, it's just kind of, I think, disrupting the industry in a way that's leveling it up completely because now you have these major industry players that are putting products on the market that are really fucking good. And people are having the appetite for more of that type of experience more so than not. And obviously California being, I think a driver in terms of like, there are more rap songs written about California weed than any other type of weed. Right. And it's just becoming this expectation also of greatness. And so I guess, yeah, it just was an interesting tidbit that I, my brain is like processing right now. And I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. I think we have been a little bit bullish. And I mean, you can imagine this perspective will make sense, right? That if you're really thinking about as the industry looks to, you know, whatever the nationalized industry looks like of the future, right? Which I think we've talked enough about legislation in, in, our, in our early conversations of like, who knows where exactly that goes. Let's say that that's where it goes. I think there is an interesting nuance to who is going to find the top of that mountain, who are going to be the brands that elevate in that space. And there is really interesting thought around California in general, like you're built on a heritage. It's just different. 
there's just something different about being born in California in this industry and being born in Florida or New York or Michigan or any other. Not to say that those those states aren't going to have incredible markets with incredible opportunity for everyone to play, but I think about how our product holds up on the international scale, right? And where that is, where's that cup? That's the cup I want to sign up for, right? Like, and those are things that I think are why so many people say, like, well, even like the award circuit is kind of like you could ask everybody has their own opinion of what matters or doesn't matter or what's in the mix or not in the mix. My favorite competition is hearing our team in Arizona talk about how they believe they are starting to try and do their best to surpass even some of the, the markers and success metrics or a team in California. Now the team in California is like, no, we got you. But that competition I love, right? And that's the energy of what we want to do as we look to grow and do that, that that's what we bring to each of those spaces, which is just so different because it, it actually makes some of the decisions easy, right? How, where do we want to go? What allows us well? We're cultivators, right? Our, we're coming here to grow the best thing that's available in this territory, no matter what that territory is. And, and I think that's where the expansion fund starts to get really wild. Yeah. That brings up an interesting point too, right? Like, yes, you can pay attention and obviously to like accolades are nice and y'all have won a lot of them. So it, it definitely gives that exterior validation, I think, from a consumer who maybe can't tell or differentiate you from someone else or might not know that a particular strain that they yeah. like is actually your strain. But I love hearing the almost like you put the blinders up and it's just like you're challenging yourselves. Like you're really focused and so passionate about the plant at the end of the day that you really want to up-level that, whether it is new strains or new extractions, or like you said, even new technology, which I think is such a funny conversation to have with anybody (laughs) in general who consumes cannabis, especially here in Texas. We sell a significant amount of CBD related vapes and Delta eight vapes, but I get a lot of consumers who are complaining about the batteries. They're like, Oh, you know, my battery doesn't work or this particular cartridge is doing X, Y, or Z. And I'm like, yeah, it's because the technology just really isn't as advanced. And so when you look at cannabis kind of in, in the spectrum, it's, you can make the best extraction, but then you're at the mercy of the tools or the devices that exist in the marketplace. And because everything's Again, like not that vaping is new all of a sudden, but I think the market is evolving and pushing that further, not only into like what's inside the cartridge, but what is the delivery mechanism? And you're seeing that, especially in California, also through, I mean, I remember going to Colorado when they first said legalized and it was like super challenging to find consistency in edibles. Meanwhile, California is like, ooh, we're introducing (laughs) microdosing and ooh, here's, you know, these little they're going to release in different timed periods so you can have this different effect. And they're really pushing the technology as a market. And so it makes sense that y'all have found a sweet spot, not only in the actual substance of the plant, but also in that delivery mechanism as well. And it's so funny because I think all of these preconceived, pre-baked behaviors in this industry that have been just interesting because I've come in and anybody who's worked with me in the past, it's like, I just ask all the questions that come to mind. And for me, that's been an interesting back and forth around, I'm so excited about this new hardware that we've pushed from the 510 threads, but this all-in-one, it's amazing because we built this piece of hardware ourselves. We did not go through the way that ever, like we went and we started from the beginning. And there are two things that just stand out to me in this that are like, these are the real, like, these are real stoner problems. Like these are like, we are solving real live action, like catastrophic events. And this all-in-one has two things. Like it's simple enough in that it's got a longer lasting battery so that you never have the thing where I can't get this thing to run and I've still got some oil in there. And the other side is that they've created this incredible, almost like V-shaped angular reservoir. 
so that you never get to that like squared off bottom where you see that last little drop in there and you can't get to it. That doesn't start with somebody that's thinking about the bottom line, right? That starts with somebody that's thinking about, man, what is the most frustrating thing that happens to a regular user of this product? Like, what is the thing that drives you crazy? Those are kind of it. Like other than that, or the draw, which the draw on these things is crazy. And even just like that refinement was something that this group decided, well, if we're going to make the material inside this thing at the level that we're going to, we can't just put it in the same thing that everybody else is putting it in. It just doesn't help us in that sense. That's why I think we're approaching batteries with the 510s the way we are, because we want people to get that in their hand and understand if it's got our name on it, if it's got that palm on it, or if it's marked Alien Labs, it is coming at you with something different. And I think people are going to start to talk more and more about that as we have been a premium indoor flower company and we will always be at first a premium indoor flower company. But we are coming for everyone right? On the top level of all of these different spaces. And I think it's been amazing to see what some of our partners are doing and start to develop that and see those relationships, that real respect. I love seeing that in partnerships that our team is excited about with a Puffco, with parts of this industry that like, I didn't know anything about a year ago, right? And I think it's amazing to see where the energy comes from because the opportunity is crazy when we bring those things together to create in spaces that nobody else can. You just really, truly built this like fanatical brand. And I was going through your Instagram, I mean, 188,000 followers, and I'm going to be very bullish and specific when I say this, there's a lot of people who are buying shit out there. And I don't believe that y'all are buying any of your engagement or followers whatsoever. And I can tell that because every post has just like, like ongoing comments from legit people in the industry. I mean, I had John Capetta of High Times on my podcast a couple months ago and I saw a couple posts where he's literally being like, this is fire. This is the best. Like, I love it. And so you have these industry leaders who are legitimate fans. You also then have consumers who are legitimate fans. And so it's a, a nice sweet spot when you've actually built something that is viral. I mean, you've literally created this ecosystem and you touched on it. It's like, you're building it for, I'm going to say the me's, the me's of the world, the stoners, the potheads who are like, oh man, like I love this plant, but like, yeah, I hate when I get a really good cartridge, but then you pair it with bad technology and then it just kind of degrades the whole experience or the luster of wanting to go get the hottest, newest thing. And I don't know, you know, maybe have to get into it. I don't know if you like or dislike brands like cookies, but obviously they in a very similar, but separate category have kind of capitalized on this fanfare of, Hey, we're releasing a specific product. And obviously I saw y'all doing it with nightshade too. It's like, Hey, we've limited drops. They're going to be at these dispensaries. Like if you get it, good luck to you. And if not, like that was our run. And and I think that that's done obviously very specifically. It's because you want to create this exclusivity, this experience for the lucky few who get it and not in a negative way, just in a smart marketing way. It's how you're bringing your brand to market. And so to kind of extend on that, I want to hear from you how you kind of go through that process of launching products. I mean, you kind of mentioned thinking through launches and obviously there's the component of it getting placed in certain cups or award shows or awards or things like that. But does that play a factor in it or is it really just, hey, we got this new strain. We want to partner with this mm -hmm. artist. We want to make a really cool I think Nightshade yep, had a really yep. cool bag or the container that it was presented in. Like, does every strain get that treatment? Is every strain or product launch something completely unique to that particular product? Do you think through what are the dispensary partners we're going to launch with? Is it just our dispensary? 
Are there any celebrity collaborations? Like, obviously there's a lot of different touch points to it, but just observing again, you've done a really good job of building this brand that people pay attention to and they want to know what you're doing next. So I guess the first thing I give you is that I firmly believe that every strain is different in that just the way, even just the moment in time that it comes to life differentiates it from something else. And that's everything from the volume of it, right? To how we talk about it, to what are the experiences and effects and things that are there. And therefore, how do we want to talk to people about this, right? One of the most interesting parts that I've found is the power of the bud tender in this industry. I made this example a couple of months ago to my team where I was like, imagine if you went to Foot Locker and you went to the girl who was standing in front of the footwear wall and you asked her, hey, what shoe should I buy today? Like no one goes to Foot Locker and does that. Like that's not how it works. There isn't like a source of truth on the other end. Now there are absolutely the regular customers, right? Who come through, they know what they want. I'm looking for this. Or, hey, did you get that nightshade? Do you still have it? Like there is that side of it. But the educational element of how people talk about what they are bringing to market is very sporadic. Everyone kind of does it a little bit differently. There are some safe moves, right? Like I can just give you this information and that should hold you off. And my brand name will maybe get you to the point of sale, whatever it is. So I think treating each strain like its own entity really helps you think about, well, geographically, right? Where does this matter more, right? Nightshade, for example, because of the way that it made Caleb and the team that was selecting it feel, we only made Nightshade available in a half ounce bag. Because back in the day when they first were selecting things and something like this would come, you were like, I've never seen anything like this before because it's just got its own personality, its own character. That was step one on Nightshade, why the team was like, this needs to go in its own look and feel. It's not in a connected jar. It's not available as an eighth. Because back then you got the big boy bag or you didn't. That was, there was, that was the only choice. And I loved hearing the team talk about that nostalgic feeling and us finding a way to translate that into a half ounce Mylar bag that comes inside a beautiful piece of packaging in that box. But it's just a very different delivery. There is no connected strain that comes in that model. And if we hadn't treated it as truly its own space, we wouldn't have gotten there. Now, are there other sides of efficiency of like the way that the connected jar, our new packaging goes? Those are things that can blanket cover the benefit of making all of our product better. One of my first questions coming into the role was, well, when we say the best, because every industry this holds true, but like, what does the best even mean? Isn't that like super subjective? Like I could like this and you could like that. And I might like these terpenes more, which means this is way better than that. And my favorite answer I got from anybody was, and it was a very like direct answer back. And it was like, well, freshness has a part to do with this. Like our ability to deliver it to you at the height of its life cycle is a dramatic difference. Like where you get it in that timeline. I thought that was mind blowing to me because I was thinking about it. Like our product sells through at a rate where we really do know when someone's going to buy it roughly. And if within reason, they're going to use it in the course of those, you kind of know how you could chart out the moment in time where somebody gets that product. And we've got a whole new run of packaging that is going to very literally in your hand feel like this is airtight, waterproof, like nothing is getting in or out of here. This is the most secure vessel that anyone's ever put a pre-roll in or put my eighth in or whatever it is. Those are decisions that we're making that will impact all of our strains, right? Or all of the strains within that family and allow us to tell better stories and help people understand you know, what that profile looks like and what they can expect and what's different about it. And I think that's why I'm having so much fun with our blind tester program, 
because we're actually allowing people to give us commentary without any preconceived notion, without any wherewithal of what the crosses were. And it's amazing even hearing from some of the bud tenders or people that are really involved in giving us feedback right now, their ability to pinpoint those things, right, with that and understand it and describe it without kind of the cheat sheet. Like, no, describe it from your experience. And we're seeing range and we're seeing some consistencies. And then we're able to share that and use that in a new way to kind of help educate people. And in some ways, that's just about being willing to take a jump on a certain string. And I think that's maybe been the biggest shift that we've seen in terms of the way that we're approaching that between the delivery. And then I think we kind of touched on it a little bit, but like geographically, there are certain strains that we're pushing that are going to make more sense in certain markets. The same way we think about expansion, there are cities with global appeal, with high fashion edges, with, you know, where the certain areas and certain cities are. And I think those will be decisions that we'll have to make around different franchises that come into play. And one of the things I find wild with even just the difference between California and Arizona for us, right? Arizona is bringing strains that have been in market in California for years, but they're bringing them to life for the first time. It's such a different time and setup and way that that flows to see the way that those businesses have to shape. So the ability to treat each strain extrapolates further to being able to extend each strain across each state in its own independent form. When we bring Gelato 41 to a new state, it's not the same thing as launching it again and bringing it back in California. It doesn't mean the same thing. So we have to treat each strain in its independence, in its new environment, and in the delivery mechanic that we're going to bring it to life in as something special and of its own. And I think what you're going to see from us is a willingness to play around in some new spaces, in some new SKU types that maybe no one's doing, right? And maybe we try it and we learn from it and no one likes it, but there's something that they love in it that we take and we move on from there. That spirit of R&D in the world of strain development is something that we want to get into in, in SKU development and starting to understand where is the future of experience here and what are those things that could change the way people interact with this product, but also with our brand. And I think that's a fun place to be that we get the right as a marketing team to be there in partnership with a product team that is paving the way and kind of being a guiding light of like what we want this to be. And, and I think you'll also see some, some partnership down the line of how we're going to help pull some people with us in that train. Well, I have to say, I'm sure Austin, <laughs> Texas is first on your list for high fashion and global city. So I, I can't wait for that day. Probably not coming anytime soon, though, knowing what's happening in our state. But something that you said that I really appreciated is the blind testing. I think it's not, again, a new concept to businesses, right? I mean, you look at most CPG companies, any product companies, they're doing blind testing. But I don't hear of anybody in cannabis other than, you know, anecdotally, personally testing, maybe, yeah, like you and your team members are doing it, but it sounds like you're really going and bringing people together. I just want you to talk about it a little bit more because it's, I do think it's a way that you differentiate what you're doing and how you're bringing it to market. Because part of what I believe being a good marketer is, is listening to the consumer. And so whether it is picking up on the experience of how they got the product? What did it feel like? You know, what was the bag appeal? What was the smell? How were they being educated about it? And you kind of highlighted it, right? It touches on, is that blind approach? It's not you presenting it to them saying, Hey, here's my product. Could you try it? And let me know what you think. It's here's a non-disclosed, non-descript product. And you know, what are your first thoughts? I was 
blown away at first by even just the notion that the name connected, the palm on the jar is enough for someone to trust us in that journey. I love that. It is a real testament to the quality standard and what the brand means to people. It was interesting because there was a ton of perspective on this, right? You can imagine we've got a very spirited group in, in, in the industry in general, but in our team. And the irony is that like, this is no one else is doing this. Like there are doors that have like basic outlines, right? That like, well, this is the name of the strain. And then you put the cross right here and then you put, and everybody looks the same. Well, not anymore. Like that, that, that's not going to happen that way. And I think as we get into that in certain spaces, this tester opportunity is as much of anything about building a network of people that want to share this journey with us and be a part of it, right? And do so truly for the betterment of how can we learn what's going on and how can we do this? And in many cases, wherever other instances of brands not showing genetics, some of the people that we talked to throughout the process would have said like, oh, it's because they're hiding something right? Because they don't want you to know because it's not a great piece of product. We've actually been able to kind of flip that paradigm a bit because we are known to deliver product on that edge. We can put that in that jar. We can build this together. We can bring people along on a journey that we now are pushing the whole thing forward. It's a challenging, right? Opportunity and, and whatnot. It changes the way we think about our program, but it also kind of opens up a lot more ears and puts a lot more voices in front of us to help us understand things. We're all understanding this plant and this marketplace, right? And the consumer in it every day. And it's going to continue to change because that is probably the biggest differentiation in this industry than than working in footwear and sneakers and sporting goods. The future is constantly unknown. And at any moment, someone has the right to come and change that. Just how it is. It's not going to change at any time in the immediate. And for a while, we're going to have to be ready to pivot at a moment's notice. And I think that's, if you're somebody who is excited by that, then come find me. We probably are hiring here in a second. So if that's scary, then this is probably not the space to be, right? That Those are really important distinctions that we're living by every day. Yeah. You have to be comfortable with the uncomfortability, especially in a space like cannabis, where, I mean, even what you put on the label can vary by city to city, county to county. And so having that understanding and having that tolerance is really critical. I didn't realize, I guess, kind of on that vein in terms of packaging and what you're putting on labels, certain brands are not disclosing as much information as they could to the end consumer, but it seems like y'all are taking the path to, I mean, cause I haven't personally seen like a latest version of packaging. Partially, I think probably because of the nature of cannabis, but like your website, it's not a marketing website. It's a very flat website. It's like, here's some strains. These are our addresses. You can shop online. And your Instagram is like, here's a bunch of beautiful photos of cannabis, which I scrolled back far enough. And you saw where like, you guys were trying photos were like, obviously of weed, but like the photography has significantly gotten better. You're showing the close-ups of the buds the colors are there. And so it's obviously more enticing for that person to want to pick and choose your products. But you just sit at an interesting intersection where you don't have to have all this information out there about your products, but obviously consumers are still finding you. But I'm just curious from a packaging perspective, how much leeway you actually do have considering all the regulations that 
Like, do you have to disclose the genetics of a strain or is that your decision to do that kind of what's best practice or what are you observing in the industry? Yeah, it's a decision. I think, I mean, there's COA data, right? There are things that have to be in those places. I think like pure outward disclosure of the cross is something nightshade is in market. There's no disclosure of what that is. It's, it's gone through all of its necessary testing and things like that, but it's just a different approach, right? It's just something that honestly, it's funny. It's not a regulatory decision that people are making. It's just a decision of this is the way that we do things, right? This is, this is why people put banners and tables up and brand ambassadors do PADs and everybody has a different meaning for what that is, but it's just kind of baked into the culture of, of how things work. And breaking routine, breaking tradition in an industry, let alone a country anywhere, right? We see this in every sense is difficult. It takes time. It takes people and it takes people willing to take a chance and make change and actually force it into existence and live with that. I think we will see that from a number of angles, right? Even to the way we talked about alien and connected are independent brands that have different strategies going forward on how we're going to do this. And I think that the courage that it's taken from the team to get to that point, to make that move and to lean into saying, we want to help people really understand product on a different level. Because most of the people that are coming and finding our brand are looking for us for those reasons, because they want to understand what those that are thinking about redefining the edges of what this plant can do and chasing that want to be along for that ride. We want to be in on that. And I think it's really interesting that when you see that elsewhere, a lot of times people can just read up on the three or four things that they know about the old genetics. And all of a sudden they can give you a really polished answer that they may have just read and not even smoked what they're talking about that you can't do in this environment. And I think that's something that we're really excited to see what comes to life and continue learning. I mean, that's the reality. If the world is going to continue to change, then we have to be comfortable changing along with it within the reason of keeping our mission and what we are here to do at the forefront. And that I think we've been through a lot already that this team has proven is there. Our website, our Instagram account, you're talking about parts of this company that were built in its infancy, right? That we do not have dedicated staff in the past in these spaces. We're not operating with a full social media team. Like that's not what this place is because we've been busy in R&D and cultivation and making those things happen. There's a reason that that marketing budget was such a small portion of revenue back then because that wasn't the focus. And now we're starting to have those conversations, starting to build out those spaces. Our website was there to serve one very explicit purchase or purpose. And that was to enable the curbside pickup and pickup like that setup for our three doors in California. That's why the site is what it is. I'm really excited for some of the ideation and things that we're getting ready to bring to light in service of kind of this, how are we better educating people? How are we showing the, the broader sense of our portfolio? we're not going to rush those things. You know, that's, that's just not who we are. We're going to focus on the flower. We're going to focus on building new SKUs. We're going to focus on getting all those things dialed in and, and things like how our packaging looks go all the way down to, well, how well does that packaging seal this thing up and make this as good a product as it can be in that jar, in that tube. That's a whole different approach than like, what story am I slapping on this jar? right? Or what brand name am I slapping on this jar? Or what, like, that's a whole different setup. When we think about entering a new state, it's the cultivation engine, not how do we ship jars there? Like that, that's not us. And I think that that model will absolutely work for people. Those brands will be able to scale. Those brands will also not be known for being the bar for quality standards. They will not be the answer to, oh, well, who makes the best weed in your shop? I love the, 
like the array, uh, the array of questions that bud tenders can get are so funny to me because every conversation can pick up in a completely different place than where the last one left off. The answers are all different. The relationships are all different in those settings. We've just got to position ourselves so that we can help educate those teams that they're in with us and a part of that journey and bringing customers along with them. And that's how I think we ultimately carve out more and more of that position for ourselves and allow everyone else to kind of play off of the middle tier of the industry, right? And that's, I think that's just a positioning thing. We're not looking to bring a knockdown eighth into the market. This is not going to be us. Does it mean that that wouldn't sell? I'm sure, I'm sure it would. I'm sure somebody wants it. I'm, I, I know that somebody wants it. But there are other ways for us to find accessibility, right? There are other ways for us to build into depth into the pre-roll skew range and things like that to introduce people to our brand without buying a half ounce of nightshade, right? If they can get their hands on it. But our purpose is different than I think a lot of those other players. And I think that's been amazing to walk into and have it hold up, right? A hundred plus days in and and actually not just believe it sounded good, but believe this is how this place is working. And that puts me in a place where I'm really excited for what comes next and all the things as far as team and growth and new markets and things like that, that are all exciting things that can be on the horizon. The culmination of all of that together, this is going to be you know one heck of a run and I'm excited to have landed where I have. What a interesting concept for how to market and sell cannabis. I hope that Craig left you curious, just like he left me curious. I certainly never can get enough from my guests, but kind of to leave you with some food for thought, you know, what is the coolest way that you've seen cannabis be marketed? What are some of the brands non-cannabis that you enjoy their marketing and kind of Connect those dots for yourself. You know, as a consumer, what do you gravitate towards? What makes you feel like you can resonate and relate to a brand? Is it a celebrity endorsement? Is it a limited edition product? Kind of what are some of those hooks that stand out to you? So that's it. I just want to leave you with some things to encourage you on your journey as you continue through educating and informing yourself in this cannabis industry. And thank you for tuning into the podcast. As always, I really appreciate it. And plug always for me, if you love the podcast, I encourage you to give me some feedback, leave a review. They matter so much. iTunes is the best place to do it. You can go look for the podcast on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and leave me some nice words. I read every one of those reviews that comes in. I read every DM that you guys reach out to me about and just really appreciate the opportunities. I would not be here without you. So thanks for your listenership. And I will be back next Monday with another episode. Until then, enjoy the day. Bye, y'all. Love this episode of To Be Blunt? Be sure to visit theshadatarabi.com slash tobeblunt for more ways to connect. New episodes come out on Mondays. And for more behind the scenes, follow along on Instagram at theshadatarabi.com.